really is a a topic that's dear to my heart. I don't think there's any topic that resonates with me and my relationship with God probably more than this one. And that's probably because I had more failure in this one than any other specific issue uh, when I was walking with God. I really did. I couldn't get my arms around this thing. I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a man and walk with God and lead a woman. And at first I thought that was chauvinistic and I thought I was supposed to be a buddy. And that's as far as it got for about four different relationships. I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't follow me anywhere. It's because I wasn't going anywhere. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it was really, I think, no other topic for me resonates in my heart more because it was this topic that God brought me to the end of myself so thoroughly that when I finally came to the end, my, end of myself in this area, I had more joy uh, than I can really describe to you. It was like being born again all over again. That's how dramatic it was when God really got a hold of me and just finally broke my hands open to let him do what he wanted with the relationships that I was in romantically. It was that big of a deal to me, and some of you might, might be there yourself. Uh, the, the panel up here tonight, I think one of the things that we talked about that we all have in common is that you know, a lot of it is failure that's brought us if we've had wisdom. Now, there is a different type of wisdom that you can get. There's two types. If you want to follow the easier way, I would recommend uh, Pastor Jeremy take his way. I remember watching him when he was dating Lori and just thinking, that just seemed way easier than the way I did it. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that somebody says, don't go in that door, that I'm like, really, this door? Just look in that door just a second. And so if you want the painful way to date, then you'd read my book, and you'd have, you know, deep convictions about how not to date. That's the book that I can write. If you want to read Jeremy's book, it would be Avoid the landmines and follow more in his footsteps and be blessed. I recommend that one, by the way. But you will have, you know, if you don't mind pain, you can try my way too. God gets us all there, doesn't he? Isn't that the great thing? As strong-willed and as stubborn as I was in this topic, God is so gracious. He still got me where he wanted me to, to go. So he is good to us. See if I'm missing anything else here. I think that's it. Yeah, we are all pretty normal, so we're just going to do this pretty loose. I'm going to do it faster paced than last year because we have like 10,000 questions to cover. So we're not going to have everybody answer every question. We're going to keep it moving pretty good. It's going to be a little bit more abbreviated. And if one of these guys wants to jump in, I've told them, go ahead and jump in, raise their hand. So we're not going to do any of this kind of false humility like, no, I don't want to act like I'm an expert on things. No, you know, we know that Evan's got the answer, so it's appropriate for him just to share. <laughs> okay. Let me start. Do you have that psalm? Did you find that psalm? Uh, 25. She keeps me organized and I keep her disorganized. Psalm 24. I think that's the one. Let me see. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. Man, that is really good news for us. Let me just uh, pray for this time. God, we have a lot to learn, and um, even when we learn some things, sometimes we become proud in that, and we don't want to do that tonight, but we want to openly share, even as a panel, ways that you've blessed us so that you are built up and your reputation is magnified in this room with these people so that they could uh, magnify you themselves. You show us loving kindness and forgiveness that we've never had coming, and we are grateful. We're grateful that you give us hope in you, first of all, and purpose that helps us to understand even our relationships with each other. Thank you, God, for this time, and just give us clarity to communicate what you want us to say. Amen. All right, we're going to jump right in. We're going to go back and forth. We've got, in fact, I'll have these guys introduce themselves first, and maybe, Stephanie, just want to tell people, obviously, you grew up in Bozeman, I think. Just tell them a little bit about yourself, how long you've been a Christian. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and I I think I was saved when I was a kid, but I had the privilege of going to Grace for the last 12 years, and right now I'm working at the Coffee Pot Bakery in Four Corners and not really going to college and anything else. 
Evan. My name is Evan McCotter. I was born in Missouri, but we moved here when I was about eight or nine. And uh, fifth year at the Bible College. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, I have been following the Lord. The Lord really did a lot of work in my life junior year of high school to draw me to himself. And so I am up here. And I'm actually um, dating right now. Rachel Font down here in the second row. So, yeah, absolutely. We let him stay on the panel. What do you do? It's the last second. Could you guys, could you guys uh, give a little background that we were talking about earlier, just how you met real briefly? And um, sure. My name is Joe, and this is my wife, Ashley. We've been married six and a half months. Um, I'm originally from Billings. I uh, grew up in a Christian family, but I didn't know Jesus until I was 20. I actually got saved when I was a sophomore in college here at MSU. So. Yep, I'm Ashley. I'm Joe's wife. Um, I'm from Austin, Texas, and so I am only a Bozemanite as of six and a half months ago also. Um, so I'm new here. Um, I, yeah, I grew up going, going to church, but didn't, um, yeah, it didn't really come from my, um, believing family. And, um, so it was, it was kind of a process for me. So somewhere in the high school ish, I became a believer. Um, and Joe and I met in Turkey. Joe was living overseas, um, for three years in Turkey, and I went to go visit um, a girlfriend of mine who was um, was on his church planning team. And um, the last leg of our trip was in Istanbul because that's where my flight was out of. And so we spent two days in Istanbul, and she said, Joe jo was in Istanbul for the summer, and she said, I have no idea what to do in Istanbul or where to go, and Joe, can you show us around? So Joe and another guy um, took us around the city for two days, and then, um, yeah, and that was it. We didn't see each other until 13 months later. So we spent um, 13 months writing and talking on the phone and Skyping. Um, and, and then we saw each other again here in Billings. And um, yeah, met each other's families. He flew down to Texas. And then that was summer 2011. And we just got married six and a half months ago. So yep. when, we met, when we met in Istanbul, Ashley was really sick. Okay. She was actually very sick, <laughs> and, uh, but she won me over that part still. out. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, okay, you got to explain, like, yeah. sick, like, really good or actually sick? No, like, actually actually taking sick. trips to the bathroom <laughs> pretty regularly. Thanks. About that, every 30 that's minutes. We had to schedule kind of the day around making sure there was a accessible <laughs> toilet. Thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I learned last time. Didn't get sick again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeremy and Lori, could you just give people background? I know they know you as a worship leader, and just give them how yeah, you guys met. We're the token old people, I think, on this panel. I'd like Easy. to use the word seasoned, but you know, um, yeah, uh, we met one another here at MSU, right across the street. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family, and but uh, it was when I was in between. Um, my freshman and sophomore years of um, time here at MSU that the Lord really uh, seized direction, if you will, in terms of my life. And uh, then we married, or excuse me, we met that fall, and uh, we were married uh, two years later. 22 years ago in August this year. <laughs> so, Yeah. Seems like yesterday, and as I was watching some of you up here singing and whatnot, thinking, I remember when they were a baby. <laughs> it's really weird. But um, yeah, I became a believer when I was 18, at the very end of my high school career. Um, I had been very rebellious, but living a good life to people. So I looked good on the outside, but I was very rebellious. God seized my heart, and through his incredible wisdom and grace, he placed me with a very strong Christian roommate. And if you all know the process up at MSU, you kind of throw names in a hat and draw them out. God was sovereignly in control of that in my life. And he put me with a very strong gal um, that really helped me grow because I just was not sure 
you know, what it was I even believed. So I was a very young believer when Jared and I met even, so um, he was very brave. <laughs> so, anyway. All right, I'm just going to stay on you guys if that's all right with the first question. Uh, now that you're married, what do you wish you would have done to prepare for marriage when you were still single or just getting married? Anything you would have changed there looking back that you would have learned? Well, first off, I, I, I wish I would have had the dance moves of Anthony, is what I wish. <laughs> I wish that's what I would have had. I grew up in Luster. We didn't dance. So, you know, um, no. Were there things that I wish... Restate that for me, Lonnie. Sorry. Uh, anything you would have done differently to prepare for marriage that maybe you see looking back, wow, I wish I would have known that or had a little bit more training or something? I think I would have sought to... Um, under, I would have sought to know more of God through his word, um, something that has just become incredibly dear to us over our years of marriage is Philippians 2, uh, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others to be more important than yourselves. Look out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. I'm pretty self-centered. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Joe and Ashley, I might have you guys, just, since you've just gotten married, is there anything that you went, yeah, that probably would have been good if I had had more pre preparation or anything hit you that way? Um, I think we did talk about things that we were thankful we did do, and we got married a little bit later. So I, um, I was 27, and we got married, and Joe was 26. Um, so... In that, I, I was really thankful um, to have been able to spend a lot of time with um, believers who were married that um, just had relationships that I really looked up to and really respected. And um, I just was really thankful, um, asked a lot, a lot of questions. I think before I even, before I knew Joe and then throughout that process was constantly kind of going to, um, just going to these people who'd, you know, been married for um, a while whose relationship I was able to watch and really like, really respect and admire. That was something I was thankful did do. Um, oh yeah. Um, and one thing I, I wish that I would have done um, is probably just in singleness and then in um, just years of kind of roller coaster dating. Um, I wish I would have. I, I knew that I could trust the Lord and the Lord is good and that he's sovereign and that um, God's good is better than our best and these things that I thought that were the, the best things and these guys I thought were the, the best guys and you know, I mean, I just, I, I knew I could trust the Lord but I, I, looking back, I don't know if I believed it. I didn't always live or think like I believed it, you know? So I wish I would have really rested in that um, in that trust. Good. All right. This one's for Stephanie. As a single, what is it that you do or focus on to really understand what it is to be content as a single until God changes that or if he doesn't change that? Um, I gosh, I think being up here in front of you guys is interesting because I feel like I've struggled so much with even contentment, even in the last couple months especially. So it's very humbling to share with you because I feel like it's stuff that I'm just learning myself. So anything I say, it's probably that I'm still just learning it daily. Um, I think one thing with the contentment thing is we'd like it to be something that we just finally have. And it's just a daily choice to be content with where the Lord has you. And um, one thing that I found with singleness is not comparing yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to other relationships or think, gosh, maybe... I should have a relationship because I feel like I'm a little more godly than that gal is. So why is the Lord not having me have a boyfriend? Like that just kills any contentment you'd ever have. I think comparison can kill contentment. So don't compare yourself. Um, the other thing I've done is I've just picked a verse that really encourages me and also a, a prayer from someone who's a lot older and dead. But and um, <laughs> and I just I focus on them not always continuously, but I can go back to it in times when I'm really discouraged in contentment. And um, you guys should look up this prayer. I would encourage the gals to, especially it's 
Betty Scott Stam, and she was a missionary to China, and um, she ended up dying in China. And she just, before she went, she wrote this prayer that says, Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee to be thine forever. forever. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt. Work out thy whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. And just that surrender to the Lord of like, Lord, use my life as you will. And if singleness is where you want me, then I want to be there. And then the verse that's encouraged me a lot is Psalm 131. And it just says, um, I don't occupy myself with things that are too great and too marvelous for me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child is my soul within me. And then it says, hope in the Lord. And so you guys could find, I mean, whatever encourages you, but I'd say pick a verse that you can go to over and over and pick a, maybe find someone who was single, a gal like Amy Carmichael. She was single her whole life or someone who encourages you and like write it down and go back to it in the times when you're tempted to be discontent. So. Great. Evan will ask you the next one. Uh, how do you keep your mind pure while you're single? What are things that people can do? I think it's much the same as even just the answer before. Just focus on the Lord. Um, how do you keep your mind pure while staying while being single? And that's that's going to be a battle, if I'm not mistaken, all of life. So, um, yeah, and it's just the eagerness that is present with before marriage. Um, yeah, I don't know. Focus on the Lord and, like, get into his scriptures. Know him. Have your entire happiness bound up in him rather than in any selfish desire because that's, any sin is going to lead down to death. And you hear it all the time, but it's true. And so, um, practical ways of staying pure, well, Sermon on the Mount, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye if you got to, do what you got to do to deal with the sin, um, and set your hope on Jesus. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to pose that to the married couples, too, just because we did have that same question. What do you do within a marriage relationship to protect your mind and your thoughts in that way to keep yourself pure? Let's start with Joe. Um, yeah, what Evan said was great. Uh, I think he just said it. Um, setting the focus of your life on Jesus. I think if the goal is, of your life is to make much of Jesus, it'll be easier and easier to be pure and to be holy. And if you, um, the more I give myself to reading the scriptures, the more I spend in prayer, the more I spend my time with other godly believers, the easier it is to fight, um, the fight to be pure, to not lust, to not do things like that. Um, So I guess that would be my greatest encouragement. Run after Christ, flee from sin and run towards Christ. Um, Give yourself to reading scripture, to memorizing. And then a big thing I think for me is witnessing. Go out and share your faith. I mean, for whatever reason, for that me has been like, when, I, when, I'm both, when I'm speaking to people about Christ and telling my friends that I'm, uh, I'm a Christian and that I'm put, making myself an example, then I better be walking it out too. And so I, that's has always been a way to like give myself accountability, even with people who don't know the Lord. Jerry, Laura, you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Uh, it, no, nothing changes. Nothing changes. The the desire of the human heart is always to have something that you do not have. So it never changes. So single guys, single gals, the desire is going to be have to have something you cannot have. Well, you know what? When you get married and you think, oh, if I just got married, then all of my problems would be solved. It's like, well, no. No, because we've not addressed the heart. The issue is my heart is desperately wicked. Right? Jeremiah tells us that. The Lord's speaking through Jeremiah, right? It's deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It's like, all right. So I'm just going to, you know, dig a hole and die. I was like, no, 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 no. We move ahead several chapters, and then we see the reality of God saying, you know, I will write my law upon the hearts of my children. Broaden it a little bit. I'll write my name upon your heart. So, yeah, here's the reality. Let's recognize it's just going to be a lifetime battle. Okay? 
You know, don't, 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 don't be upset about it. Don't be bitter and angry. It's just reality. It will be a lifetime battle to not pursue something that is not yours. Okay, so I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to think well regarding the reality that sin is always seeking to devour me. Sin is never going to take a day off. And yes, coming back to what these two gentlemen have already said, the reality is my little decisions are going to lead and they are going to determine what I consider big decisions. And gentlemen, there is no man on the face of this planet who has committed adultery, who just woke up that morning and said, yeah, that's the direction I'm going to go. Ladies, there is no woman on the face of this planet who just made that same decision. It is a slow and steady progress. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think, too, just with the gals, like, guard what you put in your mind with books you're reading, like the romance novels, and even movies. Like, chick flicks can really be a struggle because I think you see a relationship that's unrealistic and even is what we desire, and then it can lead us to discontent, which can lead to impurity as well. So just, if you have to just do stuff like that, like, just tell your friends you can't watch chick flicks, it's okay. Or just be really careful, I think. I know I can tend to be more discontent after watching, like, a love story. So that's just really practical, though, and we're supposed to be really, like what Evan said, you cut it off, cut off your hand. So if you have to do that, just do it. Yeah, that's a good thought. You know, thinking through that question myself this last week, I was thinking, you know, you can't really obey God in this area and look like the world. Uh, if you want to be admired by the world and you apply that principle of removing the eye, <laughs> cutting off the hand, that looks really stupid to people who don't know Jesus because it's illogical. Why wouldn't you do that? I remember meeting a guy in high school one time, and he was befuddled why I wasn't sleeping with my girlfriend, and he, he was, like, loudly incredulous at me. He was in my car. We were at basketball camp. He's like, why not? She's pretty, right? I'm like, Yeah. I've got, I've got a better plan. It's God's plan. But that looks ridiculous to people who don't know him. And, and just so you know, that great makes really good segues into the gospel. Um, so sometimes we want to hide these things that we feel embarrassed by, and they're actually really good points to start with because that's what we look different by. So maybe I'll just segue into this next question, which also addresses that. How do you address your past mistakes or relationships with the new people that you're now spending time with? And maybe I'll just open this up to Steph if she wants to comment after I'm done talking about this one, too. Uh, I had plenty of mistakes in my past that I could talk about. And I guess there was a holy fear that God had put me put in me coming into marriage that I didn't want to get to that moment 10 years down the road being married that uh, I was having to confess things that she never knew happened with me. Uh, I was more afraid of being a fraud than being left for being honest. And I think that's God's blessing. I just, I, I didn't want to pretend with her. I don't want to pretend with God. And so she knew it. We were honest with each other. We both had stuff that we were embarrassed by and felt like we hadn't handled well in the past. And so we talked about it. We didn't get into you know, unnecessary, salacious details and that type of thing, but we wanted, wanted to know each other, and we didn't want those kind of surprise conversations down the road. So that's how we handled those things. Is there anything else that you're thinking on top of that? Okay. Anything else you guys want to add to that, how you deal with past mistakes or... You guys probably didn't have the amount that I did. I'm willing to share. Um, I don't know, Lonnie. I, I definitely am a sinner. And I, um, I, like I said, I came to know Christ when I was 20. And um, I, try, yeah, I did my fair share of dating in the world. And then after I came to know Christ, I even tried to date some Christians. And I came to find out that isn't all it's cracked up to be either often. Um, so in this particular, just maybe some practical things that we did because I, I, like you, felt like I didn't want to be a fraud. I didn't want Ashley to think I was some pure Christian guy that's been keeping myself my whole life because that was not the case. Um, so from pretty early on in our relationship, I just I told Ashley, I said, look, I just want you to know going into this that I'm not perfect, that I have a past, I have a history, and we don't need to get into that now, but I just want you to have that in your mind and from the very beginning so that, because, I mean, I always felt like I, that I would hope that she'd be fully forgiving, but if, if she were to have kept herself pure her whole life and wanted a guy who did that, then I didn't, I didn't want to, like, get in the way of that. So I made that very clear with her. And then when we continued to progress in our relationship, um, we got to the point where it was time to address those things. 
And we, I always said, you can ask whatever you want, and I'll tell you anything you want. Um, but it was up to her how much she wanted to hear, um, which I, I don't think that sharing every gory detail is necessary and or good. And so I just really gave it up to her um, to ask me, um, okay, what about this? Or, and, sh and I just gave her enough information that she needed and no more. And I'm not perfect either. So it went both ways. And it was, I think, really good to be open um, open to that and, and to throw that out there at the beginning. Um, just so we kind of, so we both kind of knew what we were getting into. And then one thing that was really helpful for me um, that, that I think Joe did really well in, in leading with was, um, was letting me know that we were going to talk about those things. So he, he kind of threw that out there like, hey, I'm not. Um, I'm not perfect. I have, you know, I have this past and, um, and then set up a time and said like, okay, this, um, like this day, next week, let's talk about this. Let's have this really not fun, awful conversation. <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. But it was really helpful to be able to like, to sit down and, and really think about it and pray about it. And, um, I was I was just really thankful um, to have that time to kind of process through it, um, prepare myself for what I didn't know I would or wouldn't hear, and um, and think about like how I how I was gonna um, talk to Joe about things, um, yeah that that I'd been through too. So um, that was really helpful to just to have that time and and yeah be able to think through it and, and pray through it. I think Steph has something she wants to say on this one, too. Yeah, you know, I think um, if you're walking with God and your heart is broken and you're humble and you meet someone and they're walking with God and their heart is broken and humble, and um, there's, a, there's a comfort in being able to be open with each other. Um, and there is nothing, there's nothing worse than living with someone or being close to someone and feeling like you have to hide something from them. So um, so I think uh, if you are looking at pursuing a relationship with somebody, it should be somebody that you feel comfortable sharing, um, sharing your sin with and sharing your brokenness with, and they feel that they can share the same thing with you. And there really is a like a togetherness when you've been able to do that and a closeness that you can come to because you both know that... Um, that you're broken people who've been saved by God, and and it really does bring you closer. Yeah, one of the big qualities you need <clears throat> for a successful marriage is forgiveness, right? Because it turns out she's had to forgive me since then, <laughs> every day. It's, but if we don't open ourselves up in that way and be transparent while we're getting to know each other, how would you know that, that they'd be able to forgive you? later as well. And she really has. There's been times where I was like, oh man, I got to confess my sin to her. I don't want to do this. I think we'll just have dinner tonight and pretend I don't need to confess anything and then I'll put it off. And it's so good when I finally tell her the truth and I see that she still forgives me and God's grace is exhibited through her, which is just a reminder you know, to each of us that seeing God forgive us through his body is critical to us really believing that it's legit. Sometimes we're thinking, I'm just going to tell God about this sin, that's it. And uh, we don't confess to the body, but we don't really, we're not really convinced of his grace at that point, I think, because we're feeling like other people, if they really knew us, whether it's someone we're dating or getting to know or a friend, they'd split. And so when you confess and open yourself up that way to people and let them really see, what a relief. Oh, man, it's, it's the biggest load off your back uh, to know that you don't have to live with that kind of shame. Jerry, you had something? Pride's a funny thing, isn't it? Um, we... We can take pride in our perceived self-righteousness, right? I did everything right. And we can also take pride in messing up from this standpoint of God would never forgive this, or maybe we wouldn't go that far, but this person would never forgive this. It's like somehow my sin is big enough that the cross isn't bigger still, all right? Well, funny, God's word addresses that. Right? Philippians chapter 3, we see a person, we see a man who had all of that wrapped up in one. Right? The Apostle Paul. Okay? He, he persecuted followers of Jesus Christ. 
and zeal. You know, we see all this laid out in Philippians 3. He had it all from a self-righteous perspective. And then the realization setting in regarding his great sin, right? I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's the reality, right? We take pride in either what we think is our best or what we think is our worst. And the funny thing is, is God's grace covers it all. Evan, I want to ask you something that Stephanie spoke to a little bit. Here's the question. Have you struggled to rejoice in others' relationships? What are some practical steps to prevent jealousy or anger or even contempt uh, with those in a serious relationship if you're not in the middle of one? And how would the church body help you not struggle? I would tackle the first part and we'll get to that one. Um, most of the time, like if it's like a godly couple and they're together finally, it's like, yeah, sweet. (laughs) Like the kingdom will be better because those two are together. But then there's a certain times when you're maybe interested in the gal in my case. And you're like, dang it. So yeah, both. Um, but, uh, now is that the first part or is there more to the, no, I like where you're, what you're saying there. That's good. Uh, how do you not become jealous or frustrated with the people who are in the okay, relationship? Yeah. And then even carrying on with that, um, thinking through, like, if you are interested in a gal and you, or a guy for the gals, um, and yet then you can work through that with the Lord, and that can be a good, good time, just relying on the Lord and refocusing on Jesus. And then also thinking through, like, okay, like, this is good for the person that I have this affection for, because if you if you truly love someone, you want the best for them, right? So if someone better comes along, or if you see God working in their life through this relationship, you can rejoice and be like, sweet, they're closer to Jesus, and I'm carrying on looking at Jesus, so it's good. Yeah? Yeah, that's great. Anybody else want to weigh in on that before we move on? All right. Man, we got a, really, a lot of really good questions. Okay, here's a fun one. Uh, is there such thing as love at first sight? Who wants to tackle that one? You guys saw each other like two days and then got married, right? So That's I, enough. <laughs> I told Steph I was going to do this. The man of the cloth defers to Stephanie Oswell. <laughs> well, since I've been sitting under your teaching for my last 12 years, I'm going to go with No. <laughs> I've heard there's attraction at first sight, there's lust at first sight. Um, I know I've been attracted to people, but like love is much deeper than those things. And so I don't think you could know someone at first sight, really truly love them the way the Lord would say. So, um, If I might add a comment on that, I would disagree. Okay. <laughs> oh, but not in the way you're thinking, likely. Um, I just even think of uh, John Newton um, biography that, Piper gave a while back, and this is kind of changing it just from the focus on relationship, thinking about um, just sinners in general, and maybe this is, I don't know, yeah, this is totally changing it, but like having a, a love that is from God, an unconditional love, that when you see someone like down in their sin, you have like an unconditional love for them, even at first sight, rather than because, like, it's easy, Christians, isn't it, to get repulsed by people who are in sin. To be just like, ugh, like, I don't even want to have anything to do with it. I don't even know what to do with that situation in your life, my friend. But not having that repulsion, but rather having a love at first sight. That you, there's a quote, and I don't know it, but, like, it's a good quote. You should look it up. <laughs> um, but, like, if the exterior is attractive, don't be attracted because of that, Christian. If the, the uh, exterior is, or if the situation is repulsive, don't necessarily be repulsed. But as Christ loved, we can love. I think Evan just pointed something out there that you really need to know what the word love means, right? And there's different words for love even in Scripture. There's the kind of love that God has, unconditional love, and then there's the erotic love that's within marriage and intimate relationships. And so, uh, depending on what you mean by that. But what the world means usually is romantic, right? Yeah, you can feel that pretty quick. It uh, doesn't mean much. 
You know, could watch a movie and probably feel that and have a celebrity. <laughs> Jeremy, did you have something you wanted to follow up? Yeah, I will offer commentary. Sorry, while they're chatting. Um, <laughs> have at it. Keep going. Um, do I believe in love at first sight? Um, sure. Uh, but here's, here's the thought process. If you believe in that thought process, uh, we use in ministry, we use the phraseology, whatever you win them with is what you win them to. Can I just tell you, um, I, I, don't, I never had any more hair than I did on the day we were married. I don't know that I was any slimmer than I was on the day I was married. I don't know that I was in any better physical condition than I was on the, than on the day I was married. No offense here, but it only goes downhill. <laughs> all right? In all seriousness, if you are marrying with a thought process of love at first sight, you, thank you, right, love, be very careful. Because the external is going to go very quickly. I'm Johnny uh, Raincloud. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, okay, next question. Is it true that Stephanie, Lonnie's wife, uh, when she was a girl, actually wrote a letter to Kiefer Sutherland uh, telling him how much she liked him and inviting him to stay at her house in Bozeman? At her parents' house. Yes, that's true. Since we're talking about celebrities, I just thought you should know. I have the microphone. Do you want to clarify anything about that? Yeah, it's at her parents' house. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing hidden or anything, but she thought Kiefer was pretty good. And love at first sight, since we were on that topic, seemed to make sense. Uh, she, she did think that I looked like a celebrity. She asked me to share this earlier, and I find it embarrassing. Uh, she thought I looked like Kevin Bacon. And the ironic thing there is, I think, just my opinion, being a guy, that he's the least attractive celebrity I know. <laughs> That's the one that she thought I looked like, so... He wrote back? What did he say? <laughs> oh, it's a form letter. Oh, that's good because I thought I was going to have to take him out there for a second. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. All right, this is a, a big one, and it comes up, I think, for at least multiple decades. How do we girls get to know the guys of the church or cross life without making it feel like the women are doing the pursuing slash stalking? I added the stalking part, but I'm going to give it to the, to the married gals. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you relate with guys and not cross that line where they feel like you're doing the leading? Lori, you have, you have something I can tell. Well, Jeremy told me I should. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, one thing I want to say right away is women, if there are guys you're interested in, you need to let them lead from the very beginning. And you need to be very, very careful about taking that role and thinking, well, maybe God needs a little help here because he hasn't noticed me yet. Do not go there. Okay, God, if you are supposed to be together, God can work things out. So I would say be very, very careful. Um, group settings are a wonderful thing. We were talking before we, a couple days ago, before we were doing this, just the times that we went out together on a date, one-on-one. -on -one. We were having a hard time coming up with numbers, but it was maybe we could count them on one hand, maybe. So group activities are wonderful. Um, being a friend and just truly being willing to leave it there and being willing to just be a friend I think as a girl, it's real important to just make sure you're letting the guy lead. All right, we're going to segue right into the next one off of that. Uh, can guys and girls be just friends? And if so, how do you establish a just friends relationship? Joe, I'll throw that one to you. Okay. Um, I've thought a lot about this. And... Uh, um, I kind of lean towards no, that they can't. I think that, um, sure, there's a level of friendship that all guys and girls can have. Um, I know that when Ashley and I got married, um, any friends I had with girls, that relationship changed. 
there's um, I definitely keep girls, all women, at a little further back than I did before. Um, and I think, yes, they can be friends to an extent, but they should not be your best friend. A guys, a girl should not be your best friend. I really feel strongly about that. I feel guys should have men in their lives that they can pour into, that they can share hard times with, and it shouldn't be a girl. Um, and girls, I think it's the same. If your main confidant is another guy, um, I just think that's just putting yourself in a really dangerous situation. Um, I rarely see two close friends from the opposite sex where one of them doesn't have feelings for the other one. And so it's just a really dangerous place. And I think just as Christians, it's, it's not a good place to put yourself. It's a great place to learn to die to yourself, really. Uh, if you're a person who likes attention of the opposite sex, man, that can be an idol really quick. I remember I used to, when I was single, I'd go down to the church and I'd play piano and sing for a while. And I never liked to do that alone, so I'd typically ask the gals because uh, guys weren't so interested in sitting on the piano bench with me and singing. I don't know why. <laughs> but I had some roommates point out in, a, in kind of a lighthearted way, so who was singing with you tonight? I was like, no, no, you've got a tone in your voice. I know what you're talking. It's not like that. We're just singing songs. That's all it is. And they're, you know, these guys are eight years older than me, and, and they took me to task. They're like, yeah, you don't think so? You don't think she's thinking that? It's like, no, we're just singing songs. It's nothing, seriously. Really? You don't think she's thinking that? No, no, of course not. And so then they provoked me enough to actually ask, guess what she was thinking? She, she was very kind, but she said, well, I was kind of wondering what you were thinking, if there might be something there. And I was really, I was hurt because I realized I hurt them. And, and it doesn't take a malicious intent to hurt someone. It can take ignorance at how other people think. And so I was grateful that my roommates helped me stop hurting other people's feelings when I didn't have that kind of intent in my heart. And this topic, by the way, this, this could be an all-night topic. Uh, your leaders, Tanner and Andy, have some great thoughts on these things. And I heard them give a talk, I think it was about a year and a half ago, to the ministry team on how do you interact in ways that are healthy. Because there is really good ways to interact in this group and that you can be confident in spending time together and talking. You don't have to segregate the room into those people and the guys over here. They did such a good job on that topic a couple of years ago because it can really get funky and weird, right? Like, oh, it's a girl and I talked to her now. What does she think? doesn't have to be that either. You can be confident in who you are and just communicate clearly. And I, I tend to put the weight on the guys, by the way. I think it helps if the guys are initiating and setting the pattern this way. So just to, for what it's worth, any other thoughts on that, Jer? Yeah, right. Our, our, our biblical mandate is to treat men, to treat the gals as sisters. Okay. And here's, here's the reality is just thinking through. Tanner and I were talking about this the other day of, of thinking through this and terms of um, until you're married, you don't know that this is going to be your spouse. So continually thinking, what am I doing to someone who may marry someone else? All right? And so this comes to friendship. You know, I, just, I know there are things my son would do uh, for our daughter. Right in terms of defending her, um, but I know there are also things that <laughs> he would just be like, "Oh, get over it," you know. <laughs> it's like you just and Lonnie the same thing, you know. It's just like with with in relation to your sister, you know, you would have a totally different perspective, you know. Just so we can kind of pretend on that sometimes in our favor, like no, they don't think anything, and and sometimes I see it with gals who have five different guys who are friends. But if you talk to any one of those guys, if she stopped doing things with him, he'd be hurt. And you realize, oh, there has to be some honesty as soon as you understand how they think. Now there's responsibility before God on that. Uh, one thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to ask Tanner a question here and then follow it up with Matt uh, just to give us a perspective on how Matt and Trina actually started spending time together this last year. And Tanner had originally shared some thoughts he was just encouraged by. So I was going to give the mic to him just to give a quick snapshot of what that looked like when Matt approached him. Uh, there's no perfect model relationship. Uh, these folks up here have been extremely honest with us, but there is people who have done things well, and we can learn from them, and, and those are these couples. And I think there's some things to learn humbly from Matt and Trina. 
Uh, Matt was the gentleman who did announcements tonight. He's engaged, they're getting married in a couple weeks. And one of the things I appreciate that Matt did was before he made his decisions to pursue Trina, he thought about it and he talked to his brothers in Christ and he talked to his leaders. Um, I'm just kind of going off the cuff here a little bit, but too often young men or even young women come to me two weeks after having visited with a young man or young woman or in a relationship already and say, do you think I should be dating this person or do you think I should talk to this person? At that point, you've already asked or you've already talked to them or you've already talked to him. It's a little bit late. And so one of the things I appreciate that Matt did so well, uh, humbly was just talk to his leaders and he talked to his brothers. And that doesn't mean that uh, you have to screen everyone by Andy Gerlach or you have to screen everyone by Tanner. But I think it's wise to talk to people that you love and that care about your soul and care about your life and care enough to pray for you and be honest with you, right? Um, you got to have people in your life who if you ask them about a, a man or a woman and um, pursuing them, they will tell you yes or no. And so, uh, yeah, Matt talked to me about that. We prayed about that. He thought that through and... Uh, he pursued that. I'll, maybe I'll let him tell you how he did that. I think uh, sometimes we can talk about ways that we've blown it, but when you see an example that's actually healthy, sometimes that's the best picture that you can have. So can you fill us in a little bit, especially with your interaction with Gail? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would reemphasize the um, humbly part because I didn't always do relationships right in the past. Um, I've only been a believer for four years, and so really going to uh, my elders or leaders was um, just kind of me recognizing, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I want to strive to do this the best. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard the heart for from it are, uh, flow the wellsprings of life. And so I knew that much, and I knew that I wanted to guard uh, this young lady's heart. And so really I kind of, <laughs> in a non-creepy way, watched her from afar uh, <laughs> and just observed her and made, I mean, first I was attracted to her, yeah, but um, I watched her life and saw that she was godly and that she loved the Lord and that she was active in the church and serving. And so from that, uh, you know, I didn't even really know her. I'd maybe talked to her a couple of times, but I asked Gail, her father, if I could uh, have breakfast with him. And of course, he did his homework and talked to Tanner uh, prior to that meeting. Um, and we talked. And uh, I basically said, Gail, I don't know your daughter real well, but I've seen her and I'm somewhat interested in getting to know her. Uh, what would you suggest, basically? And so from there, Gail's advice was to uh, move forward in getting to know each other in group settings uh, to continue. And, and really, it wasn't just, <laughs> I mean, it was somewhat of an intentional friendship. Um, but it was, I think Trina would attest that it was so nice having it screened by her dad. Not that I'm some perfect knight or anything. I'm not. I mess up a lot and have messed up. Um, but it was nice having her father's approval on it before I had even really started messing uh, as some guys would do, mess with her heart in a sense, uh, getting to know her. I didn't really pull interest from her uh, before that. After about a month of getting to know each other, uh, Gail and I had another breakfast, and this time it was to ask if we could, um, if I could move forward with a relationship. Now, uh, the word dating, uh, whether you agree with it or not, um, that's kind of what I use, but courting is another maybe older-fashioned term. But really the way I think of it is the purpose of a relationship is to pursue the thought or the idea of marriage. It's not um, a self-serving thing, but it is, hey, I'm in this because I want to see if this young lady or this young man is who I want to marry. And um, so that's what Trina and I entered into after that was an intentional relationship, uh, testing, getting to know each other, kind of seeing, man, is this the person I want to uh, live the rest of my life with, uh, do ministry with? Um, and so we dated for uh, four or five months, and that was enough time for me to make up my mind on that. And so then I had another breakfast with Gail, and um, Mary came along this time, Trina's mother, and um, asked, her, asked him and her for Trina's hand in marriage. And um, I think it was just nice for Trina having it go through her father, and maybe it won't always work out that way because um, sometimes the young lady is at a place where her father's not. In this scenario, uh, Gail is in the church, he is here, and Trina actually lives with them, and so she is in a very real sense under his uh, leadership and authority, and so, um, and, she, and is still, I would add, um, for another month from today. Uh, she is not mine, and as I appreciate what Jeremy said, she is not mine to, um, to take things from or to, yeah. Um, so. That's excellent, thank you. And I agree with him that some of your situations may not look anything like that, 
Uh, maybe her dad's not a believer. Maybe your dad's not a believer, and you've not really seen that. And so if you approached him and you know, hinted at the word courting, he'd sort of look at you like you're an alien. But you can still take some of those principles of respect and still show them respect and let them know what your intentions are so it might look differently with you. Um, but I think if you even talk to Andy and Tanner about those type of specifics, they can shed some light on it. So I wanted to touch base. I was just curious what you guys on, this, on the panel might think of this one because I've heard this come up before. Why is there a tendency to show more physical affection before marriage than afterwards? And is this how it should be? Either of the married couples want to tackle that one? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what we talked about. I, I, I told T, I told him the other day, I said, I'm not sure what you want to do with this. Anyway, here's the thing is, I, I, I disagree wholeheartedly with that statement and that question. I just think, I think it's dumb. Okay, Be, because I, um, if you were to come to our house and my daughter could, was, was there anything wrong with what I shared in that setting, T? No, okay. If I offend you, please forgive me. Okay, um, but you know, it's just like if you were to come to, to our house and just be part of our family for a while, you would see me playfully swat my dear bride on the behind. I mean, you, you would see, 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 my daughter's embarrassed a little bit here. Okay, so I mean, you would see this just as part of, and that's why I laughed at the question. It's just like, you're kidding me. There's more beforehand than there is after? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, absolutely not. It's like in marriage, it's all, it's all good. And, you know, will I do this in public? No, and can we edit this stuff out? I'm sorry, no, <laughs> thank you. But it's like, yeah, okay, so you aren't going to see this in public, but I think that's the great misnomer, is we look at the, the PDA stuff, right? Public display of affection. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all over showing that in public ahead of time, and then you think, well, married couples don't love one another after they get married. It's like, well, no. It's just they have a home they get to go to. All right. Thank you. All right. I'm done. You guys want to add anything to that? Um, we're newlyweds, so <laughs> life is great. Like we, I, I, me, all I could say is that God's plan for marriage is very good. Um, and it's just been great. We've, I've heard from so many people um, just be like, oh, don't get married. Ball and chain. Don't do it. You know? and to me, it's, just, it's utter nonsense because it's been so much fun. And God's plan is so much better than anything the world has to offer, although the world doesn't see it as that. But really, yeah, I agree with wholeheartedly. Dumb question. <laughs> Let's see, how do I follow that up? I've got two minutes. I'm going to slightly disagree, but I'm not, because I think they're both talking about healthy examples, and you just saw what that looks like. So I didn't have a healthy example. I had made a lot of mistakes and so that messed with my head when I first got married, and I saw that physical intimacy get messed up in my head. And I think it's because of that baggage that I took in, and I had to do a reset. And it wasn't instant, and it was frustrating to Steph. And I know other people that have had that too, where they're like, wow, that's really weird. Why was I like, I couldn't, you know, I was breaking the door down when we were married, and then something happens after they're married, and it's kind of, it's weird. And, and I think a couple things happen. If you've been exposed to pornography, that can mess you up on what it is. And so what that means is if you've seen anything Hollywood's put out in the last 50 years, <laughs> on a regular basis, you probably had your mind programmed by that for the experience. And the real experience is quite a lot different than that. And so your brain has to adjust and go, wow, that's not what I expected. This is weird. And so there's kind of a growing in that. But I, I have to say I share you guys' enthusiasm for the <laughs> God-given um, gift of intimacy. It really is great. And he's grown us in that too, so... I think we're going to wrap that up. Tanner, I want to just leave it. You and Andy have anything specific, a question that you're thinking, boy, that's an elephant in the room. We should really tackle that one. There's one thing I could add that yeah. Tanner mentioned to me that was important. Um, one thing that we've kind of assumed, and but we haven't stated tonight, is that relationships, the Bible makes it clear, um, we are not to be bound to an unbeliever. Um, and that, that's a very hard thing, and I know we wrestle with that, and I wrestled with that a lot. Um, as when I was single, like, okay, the Bible says I must be bound to a believer. But again, um, God's word is true and good. And if your life is, has been given to Christ, and that's what you want to do with your life is follow Christ and radically follow him, then you need to find someone who's doing that too. Because it's not, it's just, you're going to be forfeiting so much good and so much blessing. And so, for one, not everyone who calls himself a Christian is a Christian, unfortunately. This is the state of the world we live in. So I would 
really encourage you guys to think long and hard about the person you are dating or the person you will marry. Is this a person that's going to lead me um, to be more like Christ if you're a gal? Is this a, a man who's going to point me to Christ, who's going to want to open up the scriptures with you and say, hey, let's read this together? Because, I mean, really, if you're someone who wants to follow Christ with your life, that's what you need. And otherwise, you're just going to forfeit. You're going to forfeit blessing, and you're going to forfeit a close uh, walk with the Lord. Um, so maybe I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and Stephanie. if you're single, I mean, don't get desperate. Because I think, well, as gals, I mean, I'm 23, and that's not that old. But sometimes it's like every year you're like, oh, my word. You know, when is, there, when is marriage going to happen? And do not lower your standard. The Lord's plan is best for girls or guys, you know, like, do you not believe that he has assigned you your portion and your lot? And like, if he's given you singleness, don't go running after an unbeliever or someone who's maybe saved, but just not at the same level you are with the Lord. Don't be unequally yoked that way. You need it for the gals and you need a guy who's going to lead you spiritually. So I just would encourage you. I've seen so many Christian girls do that. They get desperate. They feel like there's this timeline and it's like, oh, I'm not dating yet. Maybe I should just date whoever's available and just don't do that. It's just not wise. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that, that question that Joe brought up to uh, Tanner and I had talked about that and one other question I should probably hit and just flat out ask, so is it wrong to date an unbeliever? And my response to Tanner the other day was I said, my first response to that question is a little bit harsh maybe. My question is, do you know Jesus? If I, if I have a friend who's asking that question, should, is it okay to date an unbeliever? I I'm, kind I'm of have that response. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Because when I met Jesus, everything changed everything changed. And the people I loved to talk to were the, the people who had experienced this great forgiveness and they couldn't believe they had new life and new desires and new goals and new purpose. Everything has changed. So to then say, I would tie myself to a person who doesn't even know him really doesn't even make sense. But I was thinking through that after I told Tanner that a couple days ago and we see evidence in scripture that says you can forget your first love. So it is possible. Our conscience can change. We can uh, get in a, a path of fatigue and disobedience to God at times where our desires get really messed up and we do forget our first love. And so if you're in that position tonight and you've got someone where you're thinking, man, maybe it wouldn't be that bad. I can just compromise on this one thing. Maybe they'll become a believer late, later. Remember your first love. Remember the price he paid for you so that everything is new. And, and don't cheat them either because you're not helping them by compromising. The first thing they know about you is that you're willing to compromise. That's not a great place to start as far as a, having a testimony to win someone to Christ. Uh, the second topic, we'll just finish up on this one, is just uh, there's some people that struggle with different things and just have lots of shame. There's some people that have asked questions, what about homosexuality? What about these things I've looked at, the garbage? And, and I'll, let me just throw out on the issue of homosexuality. Yeah, we believe that it's a sin, and it's clear in Scripture that it's a sin. But adultery is sin, and fornication is a sin, and pride is a sin. So the great grace of God covers that. And that might be an ongoing struggle for different people, and, and God's grace is sufficient for that. And if you struggle with any of those things, please talk to somebody. Don't be a slave. Don't spend 10 years wasting, <laughs> wasting Christian opportunities in Christ uh, because you don't want people to know what you're really struggling with. Because you really, I, I just haven't seen a lot of people who grow if they weren't really open up. Be transparent with God's body, with your leaders, and appreciate that, that basket of grace that he's willing to put on you. So with that, Tanner, is there anything else you want to announce before we close? Take advantage of these uh, people up here in a positive way. And if you're not in a local body where there's godly couples that you can look up to, get into one. Because uh, there's just no better, there's no better place to go than Scripture to find an outline for what marriage and relationship should look like. And then to see that lived out, again, not by perfect people, by broken people, but by people who are following Christ and trying to do things well. So uh, no offense from about taking advice from one another and asking one another. But look to people like Jer and Lori, who Jer said he's seasoned. <laughs> he, he is. He, he, he's walked 20 years in marriage, so find some of those people. Find some uh, people who have been married a while and love one another and care for one another inside the local body, um, not just among our same age group, right? So look for people that you respect and, and uh, want to learn from them. So. We married young, though. Yeah, like Thanks. at six, right? <laughs> Seven? <laughs> I'm joking. Andy? Uh, thank you so much, you guys. I'll let uh, Lonnie, I'll let you close in prayer.
you've got questions, don't leave tonight without getting them answered. There is nothing more important than where you're at with God and not an external knowledge about some God out there, but Jesus Christ who called himself God. So please talk to us if you don't know who that is. Lord, what a great love you've shown us. What a gentle, kind love that you've shown us. And even a firm love where you didn't pretend that we weren't sinners. You didn't pretend we were okay on our own. And you gave everything that that sin could be forgiven and that we could know you. God, I just that's my heart for these people tonight, that they would know you. If they've been tempted in different areas that would distract them from the from the great purposes that you have, I pray, God, that you would press on them, that they would not be content, not, not be content to live in sin, not, not be content to hide. Uh, Lord, I just pray for their joy, that they would really know what it means to walk in the joy of knowing you each day and the forgiveness and the grace that they can boast about um, the things you've forgiven. Teach us and make us like you. Thank you for these leaders. Thank you for Andy and Tanner and the blessing they are to this group and the fervency that they approach ministry and the intensity and the love that they have for these people. Strengthen both of them. And just pray for Andy and Jen and their family as they're moving too. What a blessing they've been here to us. God, we're going to miss them and we just trust that you will really make straight all their paths as they trust you. Just thank you for this time tonight. You're a great God. We praise you. Amen.